Hello fellow adventurers and welcome to the Nerd Lab. This episode was recorded a few weeks ago at one of our game design meetings. In this episode I talk to Richard Garfield, Christian Kudal and Skeff Elias about the design process of Mindbug Beyond Evolution and Mindbug Beyond Eternity, our first two standalone Mindbug expansions. This episode goes live on one of the last days of our Kickstarter campaign. If you haven't backed us yet, you can still do so today. If you missed the deadline, you can also check out our late pledge. As always, you can find the link in the show notes. And now, have fun with our design diary for Mindbug. Hello fellow adventurers and welcome back to the Nerd Lab, where we transform our gaming passion into incredible game designs and learn how to nerd like a boss. My name is Marvin and I'm an ambitious game designer on my quest to develop uh, um, yeah, different card games and publish them with NerdLab Games. Um, for this podcast, my vision is to take you with me on this exciting journey. Together, we will explore the secrets of different game mechanics and reach the next level as a game designer. And today we have the game design team of Mindbug again, talking about yeah, our first steps in, the, um, in creating the first expansions for Mindbug. So um, we want to talk a little bit about how those expansions came to be, what were our initial initial ideas about those expansions, and maybe also some of our struggles and what we like uh, like and really enjoy about them. So um, yeah, maybe like a 10, 15 second introduction of everyone so that uh, people who are maybe new to the game um, know how... Um, how we came together and who you are. So do you want to start, uh, Christian? You are on top of my screen, so... <laughs> sure, I have it. So, so I'm Christian Kudel, uh, located in Denmark. Uh, my background is as a computer scientist, but now I'm doing a lot of stuff with the games, and especially here with Mindbug. Um, it's been quite a journey to get these two uh, expansions uh, ready to show you guys. So we are pretty excited to talk about it. And I really like your uh, the 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 images in the back of your. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, my wife she had them made for me and surprised me with them, so I was uh, very very nice to be able to look at stuff like this every day. Cool. Thanks for the introduction, uh, Richard. Do you want to go next? Sure, uh, Richard Garfield. Uh, been game designing for thirty years now, I guess. Uh, well, professionally for thirty years, and uh, uh, joined uh, this project after seeing. Uh, the, the brilliance of uh, of the mind bug concept and uh, and have been uh, uh, enjoying playing and developing the game ever since. Thanks a lot, Skeff. You are up. Oh uh, yeah, uh, I, uh, I I have been following along with Richard for uh, something like uh, close to thirty years, um, uh, and so uh, I was with him in Three Donkeys, and then yeah, he was the one that first. Uh, saw Mindbug and brought it to my attention and it's just such an awesome game and project to work on. So we jumped in immediately. Thanks a lot. So the initial starting point was a, yeah, a very successful Kickstarter campaign last year and ever since we have seen a lot of interest from, from people and our fans in the market to, yeah, to create new and more, more Mindbug cards. So this was a challenge we, I don't know exactly when, but maybe probably around a year ago or so uh, started to think about how we could could move on from this first first set this first uh, contact set that we created and um, yeah maybe christian you can tell us a little bit about um, 
yeah, our, maybe our first steps with uh, talking about an expansion. Yeah, sure. So, it, I mean, yeah, from the people playing the game, they often went through this journey of they played it, they really liked it, then they came back two days later and were like, okay, I've played it 20 times, when can I have more cards? Uh, and we were like, uh, yeah, we, we're working on some stuff, but... Uh, um, so I think in a game like this, it's quite clear that when people like it, they often would like to have more cards. Um, and because Mindblock is not a trading card game, but it's this thing where, I mean, our original vision was just kind of you buy this box and then you have all the cards. Um, you have to think a little bit about, okay, so how exactly do we introduce new cards? Um, and the model we've kind of, I mean, there are different possibilities. So what, what we landed on is to have uh, to do sets uh, that are standalone expansions. So you buy a new box that is the size of the original one, has the same number of cards, and you can play within that box uh, We ensure that that box work, works very nicely within itself, but that you are, of course, also able to mix that stuff with all your other stuff. Um, so going forward, when this pool of card grows, we see some quite interesting potential. You, know, you can there's a bit more room for an exciting draft or putting together your own set of stuff like this. Um, I think we are a little bit inspired by Dominion in this regard. At least that's how I think. So when Dominion put out a new box, they say, okay, here's a nice box with cards that sort of have this general theme. But if you're into mixing it all up, you can certainly also go in, in that direction. Absolutely, yeah. So at some point in time, we also had to discuss how many cards would go in, in such a standalone expansion. So what, what did you guys like about the size that we have at the moment with these uh, 50, 52 cards in a set? Richard, do you have a have an idea of of what you like about the the size of the set, or maybe some of the reasons why we sticked with it? Yeah, um, well, with these sorts of games, you're always balancing uh, having a sense of uh, flavor and uh, you know something you can learn about uh, versus variety. And uh, the the size of the deck we've got was was chosen and the number of duplicates we've got there because uh, we we do duplicate some of the cards uh, these numbers were chosen uh, so that you had a lot of variety and yet you felt like you could you 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 weren't completely at sea and it wasn't just a random set of stuff every time you played uh, um, and and so you could uh, had had you had the capability of mastering the environment a little more. And so that's the balancing act we chose. These are the numbers uh, that, you know, came up and, uh, and uh, I think they're pretty strong. Uh, I'm sure that we will see players just shuffling everything together. And, you know, that'll be fine. And uh, if they shuffle everything, if they either choose a set of say 40 or 60 cards, uh, then they can get that sense of mastery with their own combinations Uh, but if they shuffle everything together, they can embrace the, uh, the, the less predictable, but more variety, which is a matter of taste. I'm totally the player who wants to shuffle everything together. And, you know, in five years, I want to have a stack like this that takes me 30 minutes to shuffle to play a five-minute game. So it's, I think it's a kind of matter of, of player type. Some players really like this, as you mentioned, Richard, like mastering the environment that they're in. I'm totally the yeah. other the other opposite. <laughs> I really like mastering a, an environment, and I think that's 
the, the size of our sets are just perfect for that. Um, you can really play it a couple of times uh, and you find you, you you immediately start to find the first and uh, well-working combos in there and cards you maybe like and try to figure out some strategies how to, to, to maximize the effect of those cards um, by combining them with other cards. And um, if you play, even if you play it like 50 or 100 times, um, it still has enough depth to surprise you sometimes. Um, and I, I, I'm just really surprised of uh, how much uh, depth and also kind of, uh, well, easy learning those, uh, this, the size of the, the, the deck we have at the moment delivers. Yeah, yes, that, you, you, that Go ahead. Uh, I mean, you, you, you mentioned uh, uh, Dominion, uh, and, and that's in some ways embraces the best of both worlds uh, because uh, Dominion, the for me, the single best characteristic of Dominion is that you choose your 10 action cards and you play with them, and that gives you your environment. And so uh, um, it does have the sense of mastery and yet the sense of variety, regardless of how you embrace it. Uh, Another game I like a lot is Ascension, and Ascension, uh, it, it's, it's, which is a game I love, uh, but you start shuffling all the decks together, and it becomes more and more the same. Uh, it's just random stuff. But if you take one or two or three of the sets and you play with that, I don't know, there's, there's, there's a lot more character. Um, I, I, and I think we're more like Ascension uh, so, so yeah, I'm a little, uh, uh, I, I would probably lean towards, uh, playing with a subset of cards, but I would vary that. That, yeah, that goes mean, a bit into take... the direction that we talked about some time ago that we want to encourage at some point in time, once we have enough cards to choose from, to encourage people to, um, come up with their own little cubes or environments that they create from all the cards that are available, choose a subset and, um, enjoy that. So we maybe see in the future a set that someone created of all the cards we have, uh, we have uh, designed that, I don't know, has a lot of hunters in there because those people really like the hunters in the game and want to hunt each other. Um, and I would, I would totally enjoy figuring out that specific kind of environment yeah, because it, I would have to evaluate cards completely different. Yeah, yeah the cards are going to be uh, worth... I'll, I'll, they're going to be serve a very different purpose and they're going to be worth different amounts depending upon what uh, environment they're in. And that's part of the cool, the cool thing about picking, you know, two sets as your environment is uh, what, you know, what, how do that, how that changes the value of the individual cards. And how yeah, you and it's, the game. it's a quite cool idea that, you know, I could put together this environment at home where I kind of know the secrets to that environment that, you know, usually it's this guy you should look for, but here it's really these two that are normally not so scary, but here there are just no counters to those. So I know those are really good mindbox targets if I want, want to annoy my friends at least. And, and you can do that sort of thing even without two sets. Uh, Richard has played a lot of games the following way, and he suggested even with this is, you know, if you take two copies of, say, one of the expansions and mix it together and then deal a random half of it out, that's pretty interesting all in itself. Uh, and, and again, completely different environment because it might be missing something. It might have a lot more of a certain thing in it than you thought it, it would. And, and yeah, it's pretty neat to play that way as well. It was one of our early uh, um, discoveries in development was uh, how some 
some cards being duplicated really add to the environment. Other ones, not so much. Uh, but but you come into this thing of, uh, we came in with this attitude of, uh, if you just have all the cards appear uh, as singles, that is uh, going to be the best quality, uh, the, the, the most variety and so forth. But, uh, but then, you know, two killer bees, that is interesting uh, at sort of another level. It's like how many killer bees uh, can you have uh, would make the environment uh, the most interesting. Uh, <laughs> There's not one. Uh, and, uh, I mean, so probably I'm, there's a, a point where the curves uh, starts to go yeah. down again when you just add in killer bees. Yeah. yeah. But some, some, some cards uh, uh, are more interesting or, uh, or I shouldn't say more interesting. Their interest changes with having more. Yeah. I think it's an interesting comparison with Ascension, and I think it probably touches on like how you design the cards. So if you design a set so that it's highly synergistic within itself, you can get some really cool and different experiences, but it also will probably make it a bit less exciting to mix stuff since the stuff that then synergizes, uh, you'll get those synergies a bit less often. Um, whereas if you lean the other direction, and try to design cards more general, you might feel a less special experience within the set, um, but maybe have a better experience mixing them. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so that's, that led to us uh, trying to make them standalone so people could mix and match with the best quality, but still not leaving, uh, still doing cards which fit very well with the set we're working on, even if they weren't necessarily going to be more broadly useful. Yeah, so we'll have to wait and let the, the players be judges of how well we accomplished each of those things. Sure. And, uh, remember also it works uh, works the other way as well. There's some cards, this is pretty common, like in the boost expansion, there are some cards that are much better when they're not mixed with other cards in their own expansion. Which we're holding them in check. So... Um, Yes, I mean, their power level can, can grow a lot. Actually increase, yeah. So diving into the specifics in the boost expansion, there are a bunch of cards that provide quite powerful abilities while they're in your discard pile, but the expansion also comes with a lot of ways of removing them from the opponent's discard pile. And so certainly those cards will go a bit up in power value when you when you just mix all your stuff together. You'll have to be quite wary of the, allowing the opponent to put something like that in the discard pile. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that already describes what you described, Christian, is already describing a little bit the difference between the two expansions we, we came up with, because I think um, the um, Beyond Evolution expansion is the one that has maybe more generic cards, which I don't mean negative in any way. It's just I think it's it's easier to mix and match them with other with other cards. Um while the um, Beyond Eternity, the boost expansion, it it has more cards that maybe require each other to be um, to to get to it, it, their full potential. Because you you really um, I, 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 one example is that um, we have a lot of cards that care about um, specific power values. For example, that you want to have two creatures that, that have the same power value also. Um, and with the boost mechanic, you just can you can manipulate that by yourself. So it feels like you are you have more like these smaller steps in your strategy, 
um, of cards that work well together to achieve something greater. Um, while the um, while the um, Beyond Evolution expansion is more like each card is uh, super powerful and strong on on its own and can swing the entire game. So I actually think they 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 play very different the two expansions, but I like but I like both aspects of it. I think you're right that the Beyond Evolution is more like a, a bunch of cool cards thrown together. Um, so so maybe just for the for the viewers, we should describe a bit more in general. So you talked about the boost expansion. So in the boost expansion, we have cards that allow you allow you to boost, which is a new mechanism, which means taking a card from either discard pile, sliding it under a card and play face down, and it provides a plus one in power value. Um, so this does some different stuff that's quite interesting. So you can both use it to make your card stronger, of course. Um, you can also use it to take cards out of your opponent's discard pile that provide strong abilities while they are in the discard pile. And then we have a bunch of cards that care about the power values of cards, as you say. So trying to get two cards of the same power value because it provides you some benefit, you can do that with the boost and boost your four to a five, and now you have two fives and you get to do something cool. So just as a bit of background, so this is the, the boost mechanism. Um, and it was, I mean, you can say if you disagree, but my feeling is it was something that was quite hard to get to work well, actually. So in Mindbug, it's, I think it's not so hard to come up with a bunch of fun cards and stick them all together, but having this kind of overall thing going on in the set um, requires some finesse because this boosting thing, it's, I mean, basically you want a certain amount of it for it to be interesting, but if you put in too much, uh, then you don't have enough cards in your discard piles to actually be able to boost stuff, so all your cards will not do anything. Uh, it's sort of Getting this balance right, getting stuff that interact with it in interesting ways, but also work out when there's no boosting cards. I thought that was a real challenge. I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah, uh, certainly. Uh, uh, in some ways, that comes up a lot with my approach to game design, which uh, is uh, try everything and uh, hone it down. And I think we did a lot of that there. We had a lot of ideas which were on the ended up on the cutting room floor, um, and uh, um, but but yeah, there was definitely several iterations where it felt like uh, you have all these cool mechanics, but you can't use them because you don't have enough fuel. You don't have enough cards in the discard piles. For a while, we had a lot of cards that only triggered if you had a certain number of cards in the discard pile. And we had these other cards that took cards out of your discard pile, and we thought that would be a really interesting interaction. Um, but at the end, you just often, I mean, the game worked, and it was strategic and stuff, but you just often look at your hand and it was like, man, these cards don't quite do what they say they do, because I don't get to play with my toys. Yeah, a lot of it is also, uh, again, we began with all sorts of crazy things, and we went through crazy things, but... Uh, in the end, we chose what we felt was working the best. So, for example, there were cards that said, oh, you want three cards in your discard pile. And there were uh, other ones that you want an empty discard pile. Um, but in the end, we ended up with, uh, with cards that uh, did things in the discard pile. So they became um, these points where this does something while it's in the discard pile. And uh, the boost is how you get rid of it rather than having like three or four different mechanics, which are sort of 
hinting around the same thing. We've got these very two uh, very uh, clear tensions: something which takes stuff out of the discard pile and boosts with it, uh, and some and things which do things in the discard pile. Um, yeah. So I, I think we ended up in a good place, but it was a long, a long development cycle. It was this was quite a long journey. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's important, or it's very interesting, maybe for the listeners also to uh, to tell a little bit how we how we get there, we got there, because I think we started in a place where we said, okay, it would be very nice to use the discard pile as some sort of resource, make it matter more than it does in the base set, for example. Um, and we are a, a group of four game designers. We all have different. Um, different experiences and things we like and everyone in the beginning everyone was throwing their ideas into uh, into the set so we started with maybe like 10 cards from everyone and tried to put them together and every card and every designer tried to pull it into into a certain direction and in the end we ended somewhere uh, in the beginning when we started with that expansion that was trying to do a lot but something was missing at some point in time. So even we did not have enough uh, cards in the discard pile to activate something uh, or there were no targets. And so, um, and at some point in time, we also said we need to change our design process a little bit and uh, someone needs to, to wear a hat for a certain expansion. Um, otherwise, we would pull it into too many different directions and never get to a coherent theme and working cards. So that was actually very surprising to me to see because um, I've never worked on a four-person design team before and um, it was actually kind of a, a challenge for us to figure out the perfect way of working here. Yeah, and I actually think we got a lot of value out of that uh, first iteration. It was crazy, but the thing was that, and that, that sort of gets back to this philosophy of throw a lot of stuff and see what sticks. During that play, we, we very clearly identified what wasn't working. We need fuel. And we also identified a bunch of mechanics that we really liked. Uh, and, uh, and we started to decide, make a philosophy about what, what was important to build stuff around. Um, and uh, Yeah, I, don't, I, don't th I think if, we had, if there were fewer designers, you, we wouldn't have explored all those areas as well. Like, I, I think that it, it was... Uh, it was pretty clear these issues that came up that might have been obscured if if there just hadn't been so much stuff piled on right in the beginning. Yeah, so we really spread out a wide a wide net, and then then there's the process of uh, sort of zooming in on where where the good stuff is. Yeah, I mean it it made some of the it made some of the issues just immediately pop out, like the um, the number of cards in the graveyard and turning off and on because of that right in the beginning the lack of resources or the limitation on the number of resources that you had in the graveyard that came out early on. Those things I think yeah. might've been more obscured down the line. <laughs> I think all my cards were like, Oh, if you have seven cards in your discard pile, you get to do this crazy thing. And someone else had made one that all the time makes you take card out of the discard pile. And I was like, my crazy things are not happening. <laughs> so it was certainly an experience. I really I can remember when we played first with those with those cards and I remember especially the ones from you Christian and <laughs> had these crazy effects and I was super excited about them and I I tried to make them work in like four or five games in a row and it was it was it was basically impossible unfortunately yeah. I remember Richard was just like yeah I'll just play this a three sneaky turn one I'm never gonna make this happen anyway <laughs> <laughs> no. so, all right uh, 
What, what what makes you excited about the um, the Beyond Eternity the the Boost expansion? What's what's the part that makes you excited about this specific expansion? Before we maybe talk more about the Evolution one. My favorite is actually something that came a bit late in the process, but these cards that do something while in the discard pile is just it's a quite cool design space. We ended up with four of them that do quite different things when they're in the discard pile. Uh, one is even a very strong creature that does something bad in the discard pile. I just think this is a very it's a very cool space and feels quite different from other stuff you've seen in the base game, for example. D didn't we have that stuff from the start? Uh, like a, I, I remember having... I, I thought we had the food monster or whatever that Oh, that's was. true. That, that's we true. Also had, we well, also had... Uh, like I think we bent over backwards to try to get uh, that original card that could attack from your discard pile yes. there. Oh, yeah. Like, it like was the, a, the poster child for this mechanic. That's true. All right. You're correct. I think just in the... Maybe a bit later, we identified sort of... Hey, this is actually really cool. Let's do a few more of these. We and definitely yeah. made a, a focus. Yeah, and also for replacing the cards that were the threshold cards, right? I mean, I think there was a yeah. specifically when we wanted that instead of the if you have a certain number in your discard pile, then it then yeah, no, none of those survived. <laughs> my, my favorite part is actually just the basic boost mechanic, especially when it's repeatable, uh, because the changing the power on the creatures is to me is incredibly interesting. Because you you know you're looking turns ahead in your hand and things you wouldn't think would survive they can survive and hunters that won't work well they will if they're boosted and then but what if the opponent adds boost to theirs like there's a lot of interesting uh, ins and outs uh, with the boost any um, mechanic and it, it kind of allows you to modify your cards in a way that was not possible before I mean just you know taking your favorite hunter from the base set you can say okay I really like the shark dog it's amazing but it's only power four what if that was power seven well here you actually get to do that yeah. um, so you can have kind of even more unique situations this way yeah it's it's, it's, it's quite nice uh, I think and, and uh, as Gaff says it, it it makes a good strategic landscape and it's also it's also I think appealing because uh, it's major in that way, but at the same time, it's often subtle, like one power difference and, yeah. uh, and make sort of applying big. that subtlety to big effect is, uh, is very satisfying. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I agree, Richard. And in order to make this pop out even more that these just plus one or plus two effects can really make a big difference. We introduced during the very end of the design process, we introduced those cards that care about certain power values. And I think that one, that cards helped me to make boost even, even more impactful because you, you have this card in your hand and it gives you the plan you can work towards with smaller, tiny steps with the boosting during the game. And then you can, you can reap in the benefits later but with with this other card and that's something that i really like that you uh, need to take into account different discard piles and creatures and stuff from various uh, points in the game and put them together into a long-term strategy and i think that the 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 boost expansion the beyond eternity expansion does that really well it also that's another way where when it's mixed with the base set it's interesting because there's some cards in the base set that care about power values so all of a sudden, you know, you thought it was a fixed way, but now with the boost cards, like some sometimes you even want to boost your bonus card. Um, so 
Yes, you can, uh, like when you, the Brainfly allows you to steal something with power 5 or more, so now you can boost your opponent up to power 5 and then play that to steal them. It's uh, yeah, it's kind of cool, it allows you to play with your own toys in a different way. Yeah, I think I think there are some really cool cards in the base set to combine with the boost expansion, with the Beyond Eternity expansion, because uh, it, the base set already has a, a lot of... Uh, interaction with the discard pile allowing you to play cards from your own discard pile or from the from the opponent's discard pile and i think there's if i could choose some cards uh, i would uh, exactly know which ones i would put in there from the base set <laughs> okay cool shall we shift a little bit towards the uh, uh, beyond evolution expansion sure uh, sure what you like about this one um, so maybe we should just explain a little bit what it's all about Sure. Do you want to? Um, yeah, of course. So, uh, Beyond Evolution is uh, so where we said Beyond Eternity is kind of this very discard pile focused expansion stuff that does stuff in the discard pile takes it out with this boosting. Uh, the the Beyond Evolution is more a bit more like here's a bunch of cool stuff, um, but it has two mechanical differences. So one is the actions. So this is a new trigger for abilities. And an action on a card is something so you can use it normally you can use your turn to play a card or attack with a card but the actions allow you to uh, use your turn to do the action that is printed on a card you haven't played so if you have one that says uh, action the opponent discards a card every turn you can just use that and make them discard a card um, and this is something that's quite a nice design tool for us in general so I think this is one we'll be even using going forward, so not just having it restricted here, because you can put a lot of cool effects on these uh, on these actions. And then the other mechanical thing is a bit more flashy one, which is the evolutions, which is also where the names come from. So there are a couple of cards. There are currently four uh, cards that can evolve. Uh, so as a child, I played a lot of the Pokemon trading card game, uh, and this is something I thought would be a lot of fun to, to see in Mindbug to have creatures that work a bit different. So here you have some creatures that have an action on them that does something cool. So it could be maybe defeat an enemy with power four or less and evolve into this other creature. Um, and then that one can do something else and evolve into a third creature that isn't just really powerful. Um, so the I mean, the first stage, you shuffle that into your deck, and the stage two and three, you have them printed on the front and back of the card that is set aside at the beginning of the game. Uh, this is kind of nice, so you don't accidentally shuffle it into your deck because it has the creature on the front and the back. Um, and a fun part about the evolutions is when they play, when they play, you have to decide if you mind block them or not, just like the regular rules. So in the, the beginning, they are quite small, so Maybe you don't want to mind bug them, but quite quickly they can become very big and scary. Um, and then you'll be like, damn, I wish I mind bug that. <laughs> so this is sort of the, the fun part about the, the evolutions. Um, and of course, it allows us to do over the top powerful cards uh, because you have to do some work to actually get them to do that totally crazy thing. But I'm all about having these uh, crazy powerful cards. Yeah, I one thing that I remember about uh, designing um, the cards for this uh, for this set is uh, we really early started to play around with actions. Even yes. even before we thought about this as a an uh, a new mechanic for this expansion, 
and it was yeah, already, already when we were doing the base set, right? We yes. were talking about expansions, like in, in the end we decided not to put them in there, but they could have been. Yeah, and uh, what I found funny, we we came up with like I don't know the exact number, but let's say ten or so in the beginning action cards, mm-hmm. and I fi- found the variants of those those cards super interesting because some of the ones we designed of course we had in mind we want to make strong and powerful cards and some were super interesting and powerful but others they sounded powerful but they didn't deliver at all in our early designs um, because we somehow underestimated how much it actually costs to give up your entire turn to activate the creature so while the while some of the effects sounded really powerful they actually were not worth activating the card or you didn't have the time to to, ha- to activate them because your opponent uh, was already pushing pressure on you and was just having three life. I don't know, like if the opponent puts pressure on you with a, uh, with, a, um, with a frenzy card, you don't have much time to activate stuff, you know? So it was quite difficult to make, to design them in a way that they are um, fun and exciting. It's also true because they are repeatable. So if you make them too strong... Like, if you make one that says, as an action, the opponent discards three cards, and probably you just do that every turn and you win quite quickly. So somehow they should be worth doing, sometimes, but not always. And this was quite different from stuff we had designed before. I think yeah, and, and so there's a little bit of design philosophy there, like as you, you say, that people might be interested in that. So, yeah, actions were, I mean, I mean, I think the first maybe the first time I ever played Mindbug or immediately afterward, I think action cards were discussed. It seems like a very obvious thing to do. So then, um, right. So then the process there is like, okay, well you could throw in one or two, but wouldn't it be cooler if you, you know, you saved up a bunch and revealed them all at once and, uh, and then made a theme out of it. And so that, that's, that's the reason they got, they got shipped off. Um, to their own expansion it, it like somehow it makes it a little more exciting when you can uh coalesce them and and uh and have it become a theme yeah and also lessen the complexity a bit on the initial set that there was not this one additional rule you had to learn for maybe only three cards with an action right I, I remember that one thing that solved it for me or maybe that was one of the first cards that we had that worked really well um, it was it was formerly called the Undead Tree. Uh, now it's become the Dragon Inn, and maybe still my favorite card in in the set. Um, it is um, one thing about it that helps the action make it work is giving it tough the creature, so that you even if you are under pressure, you can at least block once um, and still get the chance to activate it uh, without falling too far behind, and. The second thing we did to the card is um, we had some kind of um, check on the card so that you don't you're not able to activate it all the time. So it, it the specific card it um, requires you to have control fewer creatures than the opponent. Um, otherwise, you lose a life when it's activated. But it gives your opponent some. It's a super interesting effect. It's powerful, but it gives your opponent an out. So um, that was kind of uh, very interesting card that I remember early um, in the design process of this expansion. That's a, that's a fun card I'm always scared to see now when I'm playtesting. <laughs> so it's, it's like because the opponent has to have fewer creatures than me and 
Of course, I cannot change that by playing more creatures, so I actually have to defeat this guy, but then he's also tough. So it's uh, it's certainly a scary one. Yeah. Uh, maybe we should talk about the playtesting. So this time around, as uh, people may know, we're also working on a digital version of Mindbug. And this was actually a huge help for us in the playtesting here. Um, so having a digital version, we are able to... Um, we're able to... Uh, Playtest with people who are not in the same location, have it uh, rules enforced, so it's a very smooth experience. A game is very quick to play digitally, and it allows us to, to playtest with a broad set of testers. So we have a group of, I don't know how many, maybe 20, 30 uh, testers that are interested in coming on, playing around with new cards, voicing their opinions. And I mean, doing this stuff in person would take a long time. Now we can just schedule one evening and play for a few hours. Everyone's playing, everyone's discussing. And I think just like one evening moves us what we've taken like one month or something physically. Yeah, I think we should take uh, maybe a minute here or so to really thank our playtesters because not only did they spend the time, um, I think the input that they that they gave us is invaluable. They are so smart people in our playtesting group. Um, and I mean, they were super, super helpful in figuring out things that didn't work well, um, and not just playing the game so that we need to figure out all of that ourselves. They really pointed us into the right direction. Um, and I think they, yeah, it's just a huge, huge part of, um, how good the expansions are today belongs to them. Yeah, so playtesting digitally is definitely, uh, like a huge value for us going forward. And of course, as we open up this digital client more and more, the player base in there will just grow. Yeah, for sure. So what is it that excites you the most about the Evolution expansion? <laughs> I mean, for me, it's the evolution. <laughs> so it's the, I mean, uh, just getting these big, crazy creatures, uh, attacking, defending, all that stuff, is uh, it's something I really like. Each of them works a bit differently, so some are playing with uh, taking the opponent's whole hand away or killing them directly, defeating all the creatures, or uh, yeah, each one goes kind of into its own direction. There is... Uh, yeah, for, go ahead, Richard. Yeah, yeah, for me, it's uh, the actions. Um, as uh, Marvin mentioned, we, we had been working on the actions for a long time, and getting them in the right place was... Uh, it's such a natural mechanic, one that I wanted to see, but uh, we were wide off the mark at the start. Um, and uh, through the through the development process here, uh, I think they've hit a really good spot. And there's a lot of actions that uh, feel very exciting, but not something that I want to do every turn. And in particular, they integrate well with the evolutions. I personally... I... I don't know why. I mean, I also like the, the, the evolutions and the actions a lot. But somehow, I think the set has super interesting hunters. That's, oh, really? That's, that's, yeah, maybe I, I, I really, maybe I cannot even explain it. Um, I think we have a lot of hunters that have kind of the same 
the same power levels also, but we have very good targets for them. So I think it's I think it's super interesting. For example, at what point in time do I need to take out uh, one of those evolution creatures? So can I afford to uh, to, um, to to let it evolu uh, evolve uh, one or two times, or do I need to take care of it right away? Um, and also uh, these uh, that's the same is true for for action cards. So how much effort should I put into into getting rid of them? by hunting them um, and uh, if they are tough or so do I need to spend my turns now to get rid of them or later um, and one card that's for this for, for uh, that's particularly true for that card is uh, the radioactive rabbit which I think is uh, it that explains pretty much what I like to do I want to have a long-term plan and uh, that's what the radioactive rabbit is for I mean um, it's a card that um, you give to your opponent when you play it um, but when you then later get the chance to defeat it, all of the uh, opposing the enemy creatures um, um, are defeated. Um, and I think that is really interesting to try to sneak out a hunter at some point of time and then later play this radioactive rabbit and have a, have a super strong board wipe. Um, and all of this together makes, I don't know, make the hunters more interesting in this set than in the others for me. Yeah, also all the hunters have kind of abilities that, I mean, in general, strategically in mind, it's very nice to have a hunter at the beginning of the game, but all of them have abilities that are very strong, but that shine a bit later. Um, so, you know, some of them are good if the opponent has a lot of creatures, for example, so you don't really want to play that in the beginning. Um, so this kind of design gives a bit extra dilemma to when exactly you play out those hunters. Yeah, or they deal damage to um, to the opponent depending on the number of mind bugs they have. Yeah, so that is so very that one is very very difficult to find the right time to play it because yeah, so if you play it in the beginning, they probably mind bug it and you lose two life already, and they have a hundred in play. So exactly. Also, you want to wait a bit until maybe you spend your mind bugs. Yeah, exactly. But it's still it's still that's again the same direction. It gives me kind of a plan. So if I have that card, maybe I'm going to mind bug a little bit more aggressive because uh, I can. Uh, I, it it makes it easier for me to play the the hunter afterwards. Yes, yeah, it's an interesting uh, observation with the hunters uh, and something which uh, I found uh, interesting with these projects, which is. Uh, the vanilla cycle you've got there with uh, with big creatures versus uh, um, uh, sneaky creatures versus hunters and poison, uh, where that balance is, uh, it's it's not it's there's not a single formula for getting that all right. Uh, my impression with the base set was often you ended up with uh, a lot of uh, um, Dancing around the sneaky creatures until somebody couldn't couldn't stop one, uh, but but when we were uh, experimenting with the uh, with the discard set, uh, what, what's it called? Uh, Beyond eternity. Beyond eternity. When we were when we were working with that, uh, started seeing uh, a lot more games won with big creatures who were being held at bay by these poison creatures, and so this dynamic became very interesting. And uh, and now here with the poison, the uh, uh, hunters uh, uh, sort of having a different a different role, not just getting rid of sneaky creatures, which is sort of their traditional roles, but also nipping problems in the bud. Yeah, and it's interesting, and it's usually something that is emergent. It's not really something that we plan for, that this time it should be the big creatures versus the poisonous creatures. 
But when you give these creatures a bit of different abilities, it just pushes stuff a bit in one direction or the other. Yeah. Which is indeed pretty fun. Yeah, it's funny that you called it the discard expansion. There is a lot of discard in it because we haven't even mentioned that yet, I don't think, up till now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about the actions and the evolutions, but there's also discard theirs too. So That's true. There's actually a lot of discard in the Beyond Evolution expansion. Yeah. yeah. So just for the people watching, these uh, titles are fairly new. So until like uh, a few weeks ago, we just always called them the action expansion and the discard expansion. Where the discard expansion was the one that interacted with the discard pile with all this boosting and stuff. So that's why every time we say a title, we're like, I really like the uh, Beyond Evolution. Yeah, that's the, that's the discard pile expansion. Uh, yeah. As opposed to discard as an action. And there's, there's a decent amount of discard in the Beyond Evolution expansion. <laughs> yes, well said. <laughs> Just a, a little bit behind the curtain info here for for people watching. Uh, and, and actually, that 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 to me, I don't I don't think I've ever played yet the um, the two new expansions with each other. I will point out uh, there's a lot of interactions between those two. That's pretty interesting. Yes, because the boost really makes the the hunting the the hunting ecosystem is changed a lot by the boost with things going up and power both the target and the hunter uh changing power there's again several cards in the evolution expansion which mention specific power levels there's at least three i don't know maybe yeah. that. again that interacts with the boost and then of course there's more discard in that which again makes the discard mechanics in the previous expansion also more interesting. So the, I don't know, there's a lot going on there specifically between those two expansions interacting. There really is. And there will be also a lot of interactions that we didn't really plan for. Um, so this will also be a lot of fun for us as, as designers to discover. Okay, is there any other specific topic that you would like to address? Um, maybe one final thing is we didn't mention, but when we talked about new expansions, we also discussed components. Um, so, like, should a Mindbug expansion always just consider of cards? Uh, this time, with the evolutions, we've challenged that a little bit. We have these special cards that have creatures on the front and back, um, which is a little bit different. But uh, in the future, do you think... Uh, a Minecraft expansion could be something more than cards, or is cards always just the way to go? Well, I'm. Uh, 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 I, I like the uh, s- the simplicity of uh, trying to minimize the number, the the amount of equipment, and uh, that certainly um, may be a core value uh, to some of the. The players, but but I also like a lot of the design space that's opened up by allowing uh, allowing some extra components, and uh, and so and so, yeah, I I, I like both. Uh, I'm probably going to push for getting some counters in or something at some point. All right, so just a little teaser there for the future. <laughs> I actually, I actually also like both. I like the simplicity of cards on one side, but also uh, the kind of stuff you can do with additional with additional components. Um, so I could also um, 
also see using cards for different things in the future. I mean, we have used them at the moment just for just for creatures and the mind bugs. Um, but I mean, there could be other stuff in the in the future, and we will definitely uh, try to explore these different areas. Um, not sure if anything of that will ever come to come to life, but um, as a as a designer, it's just super fun to play around with those things. And I think with these two expenses, we really have explored sort of the weird ways you can use cards, like sticking them underneath other cards to count as plus one or turning them into other cards by evolving. Well, certainly uh, doing some stuff we didn't do in the base game. Well, I, if, I, if I look at other card games that some of us in this uh, room here have designed, you could also <laughs> flip cards uh, above the table and see where or, or, or which other cards they land. So there's still some room for, <laughs> for, de for designing new cards here. Yeah, you want to do a card flip expansion, Richard? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> okay. Shall we call it a day? Sure. Yeah, sure. I just want to say Richard designed those things because he didn't have to judge any tournaments. <laughs> he, was free. he was free to design crap like that. And that will probably also be the case here, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. And I, I really like that. Uh, Pushing, pushing, pushing the limits is uh, it's always good for those kind of games, I think. I mean, we could still do that kind of stuff as promo cards, you know? That's true, that's, that's true. where we allow us to be a little bit more crazy than usual. Yeah, absolutely. That would be fun. Um, but before, before we close, I want to, want to bring one, one, one friend. And um, in, the last, in the last session, I had this, uh, this little <laughs> mindfuck here that my wife made for me. Um, and I want to give his... Uh, I don't know, little brother or sister, the chance to appear here as well, because uh, we have just awesome, awesome fans and awesome friends. Um, and one of my best friends uh, made this uh, this little Lego mind bug for me for wow. Christmas, that which is, cool. is uh, completely um, designed by himself. That's really cool. Built That's by really himself, cool. and I think it's just an uh, an awesome piece of piece of art that i wanted to give the chance to to appear here in this uh in this yeah, maybe, maybe those can it's for an expansion yeah that would be cool it could use them as life counters or probably yeah. as mind box would be better it would, it would make the game a little bit less portable than it is at the moment but it's a longer kickstarter version <laughs> Um, yeah, what I have to say is I think there is still a lot of stuff we can explore with, uh, with the Mindpack, and I'm really looking forward to keep continue working on it with, uh, with all of you. Likewise, Marvin. It's been a pleasure. Great. Thanks a lot for the session today, um, and um, see you soon. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.